Welcome to the Bitcoin Breakout, a production of the Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Spierko. Remember, you can always find all our episodes at thebitcoinbreakout.com. You can also find all episodes of the Survival Podcast at tspc.co. If you want full personal sovereignty, Bitcoin is only one step. On the Survival Podcast, we discuss all aspects of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and personal liberty. Now strap in and get ready for another episode of the Bitcoin Breakout, where we discuss how Bitcoin and the Lightning Network will literally change everything. Fix the money, fix the world. And with that, we are live, and I am uh, happy to welcome our guest today, Jeff Vandrew, uh, who is with um, Unchained Capital. And we're going to be talking about Bitcoin for retirement today. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us at the Survival Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. This is an awesome topic. It's something I've been riffing on for a long time, both Bitcoin in your retirement and then Bitcoin in retirement accounts. So we'll kind of talk about both of those today. But, you know, I, I'm pretty protective of my community, man. So right out of the gate, why should our listeners listen to you uh, when it comes to retirement and Bitcoin? Those are two things that have really not been together uh, as much as I think they should have been for the last few years. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you like a brief background overview. And we, if you want to dig into anything further, feel free. Um, so, yeah, I'm an attorney and also a certified public accountant and a CFP. Um, I've been I started practicing as a lawyer in. Man, I should, I believe it was 2007. Uh, so I've been doing this sort of thing for a while. Obviously, my specialties in tax being both an attorney and a CPA. Uh, and my big, I guess, product has always been, well, not always, but since 2014 has been a method to hold Bitcoin within your IRA while still having control over your private keys. That's always been my big thing because the, the initial very early Bitcoin IRAs didn't give you any level of key control like that. So I did that on my own, uh, from 2014 through 2021. And then in 2021, uh, Unchained Capital sort of acquired that product from, from me. And now I am sort of the head of retirement and inheritance products at Unchained Capital. Very cool. So let's talk about regular retirement accounts. I mean, that's what most Americans rely on. Can you kind of talk about some of the potential downsides of the typical 401k or Roth 401k or IRA or what have you? Yeah. So like in your typical tax advantage retirement account, uh, you know, you're limited to the assets that your plan administrator allows. Right. So if it's a retirement, if it's a work based re retirement plan like a 401k, it's whatever that employer chooses to offer as an option within the 401k. If it's an IRA, it's whatever, you know, whatever brokerage you use to open up your IRA, uh, you're, you're limited to the menu of options that they offer. So, I mean, if you're pessimistic as to the future of fiat currency, which you probably have some listeners that are, uh, or soft money in general, well, you know, you're going to have all those same downsides because that's typically the only type of investment that's going to be offered within that type of plan. I mean, there is a, a Bitcoin ETF available now through most brokerages uh, in terms of a brokerage IRA if you're looking to get Bitcoin price exposure. But, you know, for reasons I'm sure we'll talk about more as we go along in the podcast, it's not the same when you're not holding your own private keys for your Bitcoin. Yeah, I think on the ETF, too, the, the problem right now is we don't really have what I consider a true B Bitcoin ETF. We have a futures ETF. 
Right. It's not a physical Bitcoin ETF. Yeah, it's not a spot ETF. So it is far more subject to manipulation than even a, I mean, we can get into the issues with it, with a, uh, like a B, an ETF as a thing, but the futures ETF is, in my opinion, causing a tremendous amount of additional volatility in the market right now because there's actually several of them and they all have to, uh, do a disclosure with prospectus and they're, it's all published and they actually in the prospectus give the dates that they're going to act on their trades. Now, if you're, if you're in the market of shorting, uh, you know, on, on either side and, and you have that information and you know that massive amount of money is going to be moving in and out of contracts on those days. I mean, it's like, it's like you're supposed to be shooting an aerial target, but somebody set it up on a stump and gave you a scope. Yeah, I mean it's one of one of the I guess you could say downsides, right, of uh excessive transparency in this case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you add public I didn't even think of it. You add public blockchain plus that knowledge and uh it's a it's a, a short trader's freaking dream come true, at least for now. I personally think that maybe a Bitcoin ETF is not the best position for people to take, but I think it's the one a lot of people are going to take when a true spot ETF comes in. And that's why I'm trying among many other reasons, to encourage my listeners to take a Bitcoin position now because everybody thinks, well, look how high it went or whatever. And it's like, I I really don't think people will understand the wall of money that will come when they eventually do approve that spot ETF. Right, and, because there are certain institutional investors that, that just – they aren't ready yet to hold physical Bitcoin, right? Part of yeah. what we do, we do it unchained. This isn't necessarily my division, but as we can, we can help corporations and other institutions take physical custody of their own Bitcoin. But not everyone can get into their first Bitcoin exposure that way, right? Sometimes they want to dip their toe in and get their feet wet before they actually become self-sovereign. So you're right. There are a lot of institutions specific, especially I should say, that are just not going to get in there until that physical Bitcoin ETF comes out. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it's also the case that like there's other ETFs and other mutual funds that can hold ETFs, right? right. So that's another wall of money on top of another wall of money. And I, I, it, to me, I think the potential upside, I, I've been saying for years that when they approve the spot ETF, like the, the days of the, of, of this type of opportunity in Bitcoin are done. Like, you're going to have almost an immediate skyrocket. And everybody expected that out of the futures one. And I said before it's in release, like it's not going to happen because it's a manipulation tool. And I think it's kind of like, to me, I think in some ways they're using this period of time to manipulate and push down price so that a lot of the really wealthy people that have tons of capital who didn't get in can get in before things completely run away from them because I think they ignored it. And now I think like the greed factor set in and they're like, man, we really kind of missed out and we let these peons all become wealthy and we want our peace now before it runs away. That's a definite possibility. Yeah. So how does a Bitcoin IRA compare with the retirement accounts that most people are using right now, like a 401k? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things we try to do is make it as similar as possible for you to the accounts that you're used to um, just for ease of use, but while still offering you sort of that level of private key control. So when you're using like, for instance, you know, when if you're using an unchained IRA, you're able to log into your unchained account. You'll be able to flip over to your IRA account. You'll see your account balance on a nice dashboard. 
You can download statements. It's going to look a lot like a traditional legacy financial system IRA that you're used to. But unlike that type of IRA, you know, no one's going to be able to seize those coins from you there because you have a level of control over your private keys. How, how are you doing that? Is that being done like through a multi-sig or do it I have is. 100% control or like do you so, have one key and I have the other? Is that how that works? Well, you have a quorum under our product. So it's it, the way this works is kind of interesting, especially with some new tax guidance that has sort of come out through what's called the McNulty case uh, that dropped late last year in terms of how we can set this up while still offering you control over your private keys, but still be conservative as to IRS compliance, right? So the way we handle this is the first thing you have to know about IRAs is they're required to have a licensed financial institution acting as custodian. Um, that's a statute. We can't get around it. It's a statutory requirement. So the way we handle this is we open up for you what's called an unchained vault. Uh, an unchained vault is basically a multi-signature wallet on our platform. Okay. Uh, an unchained vault that is titled on our platform the same way that an IRA, a normal IRA would be titled. So, the way an IRA is titled is it's the custodian for the benefit of you. So it would be, for instance, the, the financial institution we use as custodian is Solera National Bank. So your IRA account would be titled Solera National Bank, FBO, John Doe. Uh, that would be the same as if you opened a, a Fidelity uh, IRA, National Financial Services, LLC, as their IRA custodian. So that would be National Financial Services, LLC, FBO, John Doe. So on that level, it looks similar. Um, what's going on behind the scenes is that the, custo- the custodian, so the bank, and you and Unchained uh, execute at account opening something called a tri-party delegation agreement. And what that agreement says is that control over the private keys is delegated to you, the client, as well as Unchained. So it's a two of three multi-signature vault, meaning there's three total private keys. You need two signatures in order to move the coins. You don't need all three. You, the client, hold two of the keys. We at Unchained hold one as a backup in case one of your keys gets lost or compromised or something of that nature. You would still have access to your coins. Now, for IRS compliance purposes, and this is especially important in light of, I said, that new guidance in the what's called the McNulty case that came out this past November, um, the custodian through us, they, they subcontract this to us is monitoring that multi-signature vault to make sure, you know, for IRS compliance purposes. So for instance, if, you know, although we don't have the private keys, we do have the public keys and the wallet configuration file, which allows us to view all the transactions. And the reason that's important is if you were to use your keys to move your coins out of that vault, that has to be reported to the IRS as an IRA distribution. Um, because it's a tax advantaged account. So if you were to do that in our continuous monitoring, that would be noticed. It, the custodian would report it to the IRS appropriately. That kind so of monitoring is necessary in order to stay on the right side of the uh, custodial account requirement under the law. So we go into a custodial account. I get that. I don't mind <laughs> the reporting there. If I did, I wouldn't put that asset in that account. But right, exactly. To be clear on what we're saying here, there's nothing other than a law that prevents me from moving my Bitcoin off of that location, well, right? The law doesn't even prevent you from doing it. The law well, just says if you do it, there's a tax consequence. It, it, there's a consequence to it. So what I'm getting yeah. at is if, if my whole life goes to shit and I don't care, 
and I'm willing to take the risk. I still have complete control over that Bitcoin. That you hit the key right, or you hit the nail right on the head. That's the key to the whole thing. At any or point, if I donate to some cause that the newest form of tyrannical government decides they hate, and they put a freeze on my assets, I still have access to that Bitcoin. Those Correct. Right. We cannot, if the government came to us or came to the IRA custodian and said, hey, freeze this guy's assets, it would be a physical impossibility. That's uh, what I'm we, looking for. We don't, we don't have, we would, we of course comply with all government orders, but, yeah. uh, you know, we can't comply with a court order. You know, they're in contempt. I don't know how familiar you are with the law of contempt. So when you get ordered to do something by a court and you don't do it, uh, the court enters a contempt order for you and there's yeah. civil contempt where you get fined and there's criminal contempt where you go to jail. Uh, impossibility is a complete defense to contempt, meaning, meaning, you know, you can't throw someone in jail for not following a court order, which it's impossible for them impossible to, to do. If you, yeah, you so, give me a court order to fly out the window, I, sorry, I, don't have wings. I, I right. And at the same time, we're not enabling in any way, uh, you know, any sort of tax evasion because we are monitoring those transactions uh, and they're all consistently reported to the IRS. So if you were to withdraw those coins, no matter who you're sending, if you're sending them to anyone in the world, it doesn't matter. We don't know about that, but we are reporting it as an IRA distribution to the IRS. And you'd, if there's, sure. that's a taxable event, you'd have to pay tax on it. And that's where people really need to think about, you know, come to the whole Roth and traditional because I can put a buttload of money into a Roth IRA and I'm only really subject to penalties on withdrawal of gains. Right. Correct. And, and we'll treat Bitcoin like a stock for that. Like if I put all the money initially into one stock and the stock went up in value, but I sold less than the value I contributed, you know, with certain time restrictions, that's that's not. Uh, you know, interested penalties and, and all that stuff because I already paid tax on that. Right. right? With but, a Roth IRA, that's correct. Right. You can do withdraw it. your contra- The way we call that is you can withdraw your contributions early without tax and penalty. It's just the, the gains that you can't withdraw before 50, age 59 and a half without tax and penalty. Very cool. And, and, and then just because I know people are out there going to ask this question, we've already just, uh, stated that you would not be able to prevent me from taking my Bitcoin. But that also would infer that you're also not able to take my Bitcoin. If the government came in and said, Correct. we want Jack's Bitcoin, you're back to that impossibility defense. We have no way to do that, which puts us in a world where it's it's a little bit different, I think, than people are accustomed to. People, have, I think, have gotten very accustomed to custodial and non-custodial wallets. We're really in a realm of a non-custodial wallet in that you don't have custody of the keys to the wallet. But we have like custody of the information. Would that be a good mm-hmm. way to describe it? Like yeah. You guys have and access to the info. I've KYC'd in. I mean, obviously, if I'm putting this in a government retirement account, I'm not trying to hide it or I wouldn't put it in a government. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We do KYC just like any other account. Uh, and your KYC information goes to both us at Unchained and then also to, uh, like I said, we use Solera National Bank as IRA custodian because legally we can't be an IRA custodian. Um, you have to be a regulated, uh, you have to be regulated by State Department of Banking or by the IRS directly to be, uh, an I, uh, an I, excuse me, an IRA custodian. We're neither one of those things. So, uh, yeah, your KYC information goes both to us and then also to, uh, Solera, our financial services partner. So what do you say to the person that says Bitcoin's too volatile to put into a retirement account? 
Well, I mean, it depends on what your time horizon is, right? I mean, if you're yeah. 80 years old, you probably shouldn't go 100% into Bitcoin right now. Absolutely. I mean, I, I hope I don't get in trouble with our marketing department by saying that. But, uh, you know, I understand. I mean, you just need a certain amount of assets, at, you know, if you're on a short time frame that are going to be, you know, ready to be spent right away and sort of not subject to shorter term volatility. Uh, if you're 30, 40, 50 years old, the calculus is different because the short term volatility shouldn't matter to you as much. You're looking more at the long term growth in the asset. And I should say, even if you are 80 years old, that doesn't mean you can't have Bitcoin exposure at all. Right. Uh, you you still may want to have exposure for future generations that you're going to pass that down to. It just may not be, you know, for you might not be what. You know, the Bitcoin slang is on zero, meaning like, you know, a hundred percent of your assets necessarily in Bitcoin. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about holding your own keys. Is there, you kind of mentioned something back there. If I hold my own keys and you can't get access to my money, is there, once I'm in this thing, is there any safeguard I have for, for recovery? If I screw up and lose my information, like with a completely non-custodial wallet, where if I've if I screw up, it's my problem. It's gone. Yeah. So, uh, it, well, it depends. In our setup, you do have a little bit of a backup, right? So typically, if you're holding all your own keys, uh, you lose your key, you're done. Like that's a, in a single SIG wallet, that's it. It's gone forever. Um, with a multi-signature setup like we do, you can lose or have compromised one of the two that you're responsible for. Uh, okay. if, if, you know, it, because it's a two of three, right? So if you've yeah. got one and then you come to us and you prove your identity and say, Hey, I lost one of mine. We need to move these coins. We can help you because we can sign. Okay. Uh, if you lose both of the keys that you're responsible for, then we can't help because it's a two of three and we only have one. Two right. Is one, so, one is okay. Yeah. So what, you know, what you, it, the, I, I, we have a concierge team that helps train people on, Things like how to manage their private keys, how to store them. Uh, okay. But the, you know, what they'll tell you if you sign up for a consultation with them is, you know, you want to keep these your two keys in this setup sort of geographically distinct for obvious reasons, right? Because gotcha. you can't afford to have them. Like the worst thing you could do is to keep them together, because then, I mean, what the what's even the point at that point? Because if one of them gets compromised. They're both going to get compromised if they're physically in the same location, right? Correct. So there's a lot of security best practices with regard to that stuff. Um, you know, that's not advice that that I give. Like I said, we have a team that actually trains and helps people that are new to Bitcoin with that sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's the general idea. So just like clear it up for the audience to make sure and that I'm explaining it right, too. It would be like I have keys A and B and you have mm -hmm. keys C. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I decide for what I'm I'm going to freaking Sweden and I'm hiding out or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I can use keys A and B and I can move the coins. Yep. Right. If I lose A, we can use A and C together, but you have to verify on me. So if somebody gets A and says, Correct. I want Jack's money, you're like, you're not Jack. Screw off. Right. right. Or I can use key B with key C and either of those combinations will work. But when I'm using that service from you guys as my my custodial account, for the retirement account, I have to then prove to you I really am Jack. And that Correct. way, if you only gets one set of the keys, it's locked up. It actually seems fairly similar without the retirement account added to like what keys.casa does. Well, yeah. So what, the way I just explained our, the, the, what, the way you just described our multi-signature vaults, 
uh, applies to all of our products, not just IRAs. They all work okay. that way. So you can open just a regular multi-signature vault with us under your personal name that's not a retirement account at all, and it would work exactly that same way. So if we had somebody out there that says, you know, I want to put some of this in retirement, but I also want, like, there's probably some people right now going, that's a pretty damn good thing on, you know, we do have some people who are deep into privacy and and hold coins like Monero or Pirate Chain mm-hmm. or things like that, and they just want that completely off-grid. We have a lot of people, and I've advised people, especially with Bitcoin, like, I think you want your Bitcoin lily white because I think some of the financial products that are coming in the next 10 years, if, if, if you want to participate in some of that, you're going to want to be able to say, yeah, this is my legitimate freaking property that I own. And so, like, I'm not big on coin mixing or anything like that with Bitcoin. And so if you're doing that anyway, there's probably people out there going, it'd be really nice to have a backup. It'd be nice to have, like, my keys buried, you know, here and my keys buried over there. And I got two of them. And if I screw up, somebody can help me as long as I have the other one. And yet I don't lose the control. Like, so your one key will never work without me. Correct. And, and my two keys will work without you. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting service. What does that cost a person as far as like fees or whatever? And let's separate that to like, what is the management, I guess, cost for an IRA? And what would be the management cost for something that's just simply multi-sig? So for our standard, just multi-signature vaults that are not IRAs, there is not a fee for that. Um, okay. we don't charge an annual fee. We only charge you, uh, if you lose one of your keys and you need us to sign, we charge you for the, for us actually stepping in and signing as your backup. I don't remember the fee right now for that. It's a few hundred bucks. It's not okay. like $10,000 or something crazy like that. Um, so that's how our personal vaults work. Uh, our IRA vaults, uh, there's a one-time setup fee of $995. Uh, and then there's a flat annual fee starting in year two of $250 a year. Okay. Um, and that covers all your tax reporting, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now, if I should also mention, since I mentioned it before, with any of our services, IRA or not, if you're not as familiar with how to use private keys, how to do multi-sig, anything of that nature, uh, we also have a concierge service where somebody will hop on Zoom and hold your hand and walk you through everything step by step. Uh, that is $250. Uh, you are our concierge service for an IRA vault. It's a flat 250 for a personal vault. It's $1,250, but we give you a thousand dollars back in free Bitcoin. So it still works out to be, uh, 250 bucks. We have other services as well. Uh, like we, you can take a loan against your Bitcoin using your Bitcoin as collateral. That's something that we offer. Um, we have an enhanced annual concierge service as well for people that are very high net worth. But the stuff that I just went through with you, those are sort of, uh, I guess, basic level fees. Kind of the main things that people would actually need uh, at a regular level. Um, exactly. I mean, we've kind of hit it already, but you want to maybe just kind of hit again why why people really should want to hold their own keys with Bitcoin. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of your listeners are probably, you know, concerned about things like government overreach. Uh, you know, you've mentioned that already, you know, holding your own keys is obviously your best, best method of security against something like that. Uh, but even beyond that sort of stuff, I mean, there is a, uh, traditional, uh, Bitcoin IRA provider that does not offer any level of key control. In other words, it's a Bitcoin IRA, uh, where, you know, the IRA custodian is holding all the keys. 
uh, and they were hacked just last week. Uh, and it was customer Bitcoin that got lost. It was, so basically the way they were operating, oh. as I, un- as I understand it, is they had a Gemini account. And it wasn't Gemini that it was, ha- that was hacked. It was their Gemini credentials were somehow obtained. It's just what it seemed. Again, more information could come out. I don't have all the details. But their Gemini credentials were were obtained, and then everybody, you know, customers started logging in to check their account balances, and they were like zero. Um, so we still don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, if they're going to be able to be made whole, we don't know how much is taken. But that's always a risk when you're not holding your own keys, right? Uh, and the advantage of something like the Unchained setup is not only are you holding your own keys – but you're doing so in a more secure, redundant way. Uh, you're not doing so, you know, via like a single signature solution where, you know, a single sig, uh, it's only one thing that has to be physically compromised and you're out of luck, right? With multi-sig, you've got a lot more margin for error. Yeah, I, I've always told people do not hold Bitcoin or any crypto on exchange unless like – I understand why people are doing some trades and things like that, and you, you, you don't want to have the time in and out, you know, back and forth. But if you're going to be holding, you know, more than a week, get it the hell off the exchange into your own custody. Because people will say things like, well, Bitcoin got hacked. Bitcoin did not get hacked. Somebody's GUI that gave access to the keys got hacked. Right. That, that's what happened. They built a system of access. And then they got access to that system. And then everybody that's in that system is just sitting there. Yeah, it's and like the the her. lady that's that had all those Bitfinex coins, and the media acted like Bitcoin got hacked. She, yeah. No, it was she stored her private keys on Amazon Web Services, right? So yeah. they yeah. weren't particularly hard to get the private keys if they're, you know, if Amazon is holding them for you. Talk about stupid criminals. I mean, they got away with like four billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. It wasn't worth that when they got it, but I think that's what it was worth roughly when the government got it back. And not only were they storing it on AWS, they were basically saying that they stored their Bitcoin on AWS on their Twitter account and shit. It was like, that's, and that's what I'm trying to get across to people. Like the whole not your keys, not your coins thing is true because someone else controls it, which is the entire opposite of what one of the main purposes of Bitcoin was. Bitcoin really wasn't created with the idea of everybody will be rich that buys it. It was that it's yours and you control it and I don't need a bank and I don't need the government. But now that we also see it as digital property, services like you're offering enable us to use that financial property inside investment vehicles. And I've always tried to get people to understand that, too. Like when people talk about, well, my 401k, your 401k is the the car. And then whatever mutual funds or whatever you're holding inside it, that's the cargo. And I think people need to really draw that delineation. When we're talking about accounts, you're talking about a container not the asset that's inside the container. That's right. Yeah, hundred percent. So, what's the trade-offs of going uh, for a Bitcoin IRA where I hold my keys? Is there is there any downside to that at all? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it costs more, right? I mean, there are custodial Bitcoin IRAs that like are that that have extremely low fees now, and the reason they do that is they kind of they mark up the trading fees very high. Uh, and they kind of rely on people to be degenerate traders. Um, mm. You know, that's not our business model. I mean, we convert your dollars to Bitcoin for you, but ours is a buy and hold product. 
Uh, we also, when we convert those dollars to Bitcoin, we only charge 50 basis points. We don't mark that up. We don't like try to make money on that. As a result, when you come over to us, we charge you a setup fee and we charge you 250 bucks a year, right? Which those custodial providers aren't doing. Like I said, they're also not providing any guarantees that your Bitcoin's actually there, uh, that it's not rehypothecated, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And as, and if you're rolling over a substantial sum, when you convert it over to, to from dollars to Bitcoin, you're going to be paying a highly marked up transaction fee, sometimes like one and a quarter percent depends on the provider. Yeah. Now you just mentioned you, you convert my dollars into Bitcoin, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so that's actually probably really advantageous for some people because I could take money that's already kind of held hostage inside a retirement account and ro- roll it as cash. That's what, yeah. That's what most of our, our clients do. Uh, so they're rolling over funds from another retirement account. We guide you through that whole process. Basically, you sign an authorization that allows uh, Solera, our financial services partner, to reach out to your prior IRA provider and a, a, arrange a direct transfer of the dollars out of your old IRA. Uh, then once the, that transfer takes place, those dollars come to us. Our trading desk converts those dollars into Bitcoin. Like I said, we do 50 basis points as the fee on that. I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a lower fee out there. Uh, and then we deposit that resulting Bitcoin right into that multi-signature vault where you have a quorum, you have control over a quorum of the keys. So like that was kind of my other question. Like that is a real advantage because a lot of people are like, I'd like to buy Bitcoin, but their, their capital that they have available is already in retirement accounts. What about somebody like me? And I don't know what the annual limit is on a Roth IRA, but let's say I have Bitcoin and I don't want to sell it to fiat because I don't want to pay capital gains on it prior to it going into retirement account. If I have Bitcoin already, can I move Bitcoin that I already have control over into this vehicle? Unfortunately not. The IRS doesn't that allow sucks. that. So all, all contributions to an IRA have to be in dollars other than rollover contributions from another Bitcoin IRA provider. So like if you okay. had Bitcoin in one of those custodial, you know, uh, excuse me, one of those IRA providers that do not offer any control over private keys, um, then you could roll that into our IRA without having to go to dollars in between. Um, but okay. other than that, uh, yeah, that would not, that would, you would not be able to transfer your non IRA Bitcoin into an IRA. So, and let's say I set up an IRA with you and obviously then I can hold cash and I can hold Bitcoin. Are there any limits to what I can hold in one of your IRAs that, you know, wouldn't be like, obviously there's certain things I can't hold in a custodial IRA period, but is it pretty much an IRA that I could hold Bitcoin and Ford stock in? So our IRA is just for Bitcoin. Uh, If you want to be able to hold other types of like stocks and bonds and stuff, you would just have a separate IRA for that. Um, And if you always wanted to rebalance, you can always do tax free uh, transfers between those two IRAs, between our IRA ah. and let's say your stock brokerage IRA or the reverse. Um, so I decide Bitcoin's you. made a really great run and I also want to put some of my gains in equities I have in another IRA, IRA to IRA, no harm, no foul. Can I trade just cash and back and forth between cash inside your IRA? So that we don't, that we don't allow. So okay. it's converted to, from cash to Bitcoin as soon as the money goes in and it doesn't go back to cash unless the money's coming out, either like in terms of an IRA distribution 
uh, or a rollover to like an external IRA at like a brokerage or something like that. Which I could still do because I had to have a money market in uh, IRA A and I, I'm yeah. using new IRA B and I want to I want to take some profits. I would just basically do a transfer and then when I wanted to buy back, I would transfer back in. Yeah, exactly. The only downside is those transfers because they're running through the legacy financial system are slow. Uh, yeah. Like they take like a week or, or we're not talking like day trading here, but exactly. You know, if you wake up one day and Bitcoin's at 350 grand and it seems like it really ran away with itself. And exact, right. Yeah. If you wanted to do something like that, you'd have the ability okay. to do that. You just might not be able to do it within, you know, 24 hours. You, exactly. How, how does this compare to, um, like a self-directed IRA for Bitcoin? One of the things when I was researching this that I looked up with that that was pointed out, it was a different company that provides a service similar to yours is that if you screw up, it's on you, right? But yeah. if they screw up, it's on them. Like as far as the reporting requirements and all, like, you know, that type of thing. Well, so, yeah, before, you know, I came to Unchained, what I used to set up for people were what are called self-directed checkbook style IRAs for holding Bitcoin. Right. Um, those those checkbook IRAs have sort of a long history in the real estate business for holding private real estate investments. The IRS had challenged those several times like in the like late 90s early 2000s and consistently lost so we all assumed we were in the clear um on those uh that changed in november of 2021 the tax court laid down this mcnulty case which frankly is really poorly reasoned and decided um but if you were to follow the rationale of the mcnulty case it would cast into doubt the uh you know whether or not those classic self-directed checkbook style IRAs are compliant with the internal revenue code. Um, it didn't come right out and say that it's very hard to understand what it actually even came out and said, because it's very uh, poorly reasoned. I wrote a long in-depth article for the unchained blog about the opinion. Um, and we also did a webinar on the unchained YouTube channel. If someone really wants to dig into the weeds on it, but the short story is the way the unchained product works by not being a, a checkbook style IRA, the big distinction is in a checkbook style IRA, the custodian doesn't have any insight on the actual transactions you're making within the IRA. Uh, they just get the year end balance on December 31st of each year and they get that from you via self certification. Um, they don't even really, they don't know for sure other than the fact that you signed something that says you're not lying. That was what seemed to catch the ire of the court in McNulty. Are they, the McNulty court kind of created this requirement that we had never seen before that the custodian had to be like intimately aware of all the underlying transactions. So that's a way in which our unchained IRA is different from a checkbook IRA is even though we don't have private key control, we do have public keys and wallet configurations such that we're able to view all those transactions. Um, so we do know every transaction that goes in and out of your IRA. And they're all, you know, uh, appropriately reported to the IRS. So there's not that potential for tax abuse that there is within a checkbook style IRA. One of the things we're doing right now for a lot of people since November in light of that McNulty case is we're helping people convert their checkbook style IRAs into an unchained IRA in an effort to be sort of compliant with that McNulty case rationale uh, to be more conservative with regard to tax compliance. Gotcha. Um, what about people who say, you know, are, are, am I not just better off 
buying Bitcoin directly than putting it in something like a retirement account. I mean, my response to that personally is kind of like, why not both? There's limits to how much I can go into an IRA mm -hmm. with every year anyway. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think why not both is correct. Second of all, the big thing you have to keep in mind is for people my age and older, sort of middle age and older, uh, a lot, the bulk of our existing assets uh, are already in retirement accounts. So if we want to, I mean, we don't have an option. I mean, I could liquidate early, pay a ton of taxes and penalties and then buy Bitcoin, but then I'm able to buy a lot less Bitcoin, right? It seems to make a lot more sense for me to just roll over into an unchained IRA avoid all those penalties and I can acquire a lot more Bitcoin that way. Um, you know, as the, our head of concierge services, Phil likes to say all the time, like, well, he doesn't just say this. It's correct. He likes to remind us, I should say, uh, there's $35 trillion in the United States locked currently in these tax advantaged retirement accounts. So part of what we're doing at Unchained is trying to unlock those funds and get them out of the legacy financial system and into Bitcoin. Definitely. And I, I, I think that is actually right now a big thing. And that's why I said if they did the regular spot ETF, it would be game over with sub 100K pricing, I think, within a couple weeks at the most. Um, and I don't think it would go back down because that money that goes in, that money's not coming back out. That's that's long term money that will pour in when that happens. And I think that's kind of a big problem that people have. My my reasoning, too, with wanting to get some of my Bitcoin or my wealth into Bitcoin in retirement accounts is, I'm seeing a, a whole trend emerging with you, you mentioned earlier, like borrowing against Bitcoin as collateral and borrowing against appreciating assets in small increments over time is a formula wealthy have been using since the first real estate deed was issued. And it's a way to have a significant amount of income on an annual basis. That's not income. It's debt. Mm -hmm. And as long as that asset continues to appreciate, you keep rolling it back and rolling it back and rolling it back in. And so a lot of people are starting to see that as their retirement strategy for Bitcoin. Michael Saylor's done so much to, to educate people in, in so many ways with Bitcoin, but especially that aspect. So a person says, well, I won't need tax deferment or tax, you know, uh, exemption on it because that's going to be my strategy. My view is that's fine. But if it's inside the IRA, I have both options. Mm -hmm. I, I can decide, you know what? You know, I'm 79. I just got a freaking cancer diagnosis. I'm probably dead in a year. I'm going to go freaking deep sea fishing for six, six months, and I just want my money, and they're not getting any of it, right? Uh, um, it gives me a lot more flexibility in making that type of a decision. Yeah, and I'm also going to throw a cheap plug in here, too. And you mentioned the idea of borrowing uh, against your non-IRA Bitcoin as a potential strategy. Um, that is a, a service we offer at Unchained as well. That's what our lending desk does. Uh, and our product is really unique in that regard as compared to our competitors in that we do not rehypothecate your Bitcoin, meaning your Bitcoin that you're using as collateral sits in a multi-signature vault so that you know it's always there. The only difference when you're using it as collateral versus not using it as collateral is instead of you having control out of two of the three keys, you only have control over one of the three keys. Unchained holds one. A third-party key agent uh, that we do business with called Citadel holds one, and you hold one yourself uh, for your collateral Bitcoin. So that's unique. You know that you don't have any counterparty risk. If we go out of, you know, with a lot of, you know, Bitcoin-backed loans, if the lender goes out of business, well, they've been rehypothecating those coins, right? When I say rehypothecate, that means they've been 
lending them out to other parties, otherwise investing them, doing whatever with them, right? Uh, and those coins may not, when you go, uh, you know, when that lender goes bankrupt, your coins might not be there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, you might not get them back. Uh, with us, you know, that's not an issue because you literally have all the public keys in the wallet configuration. You have access to view, uh, you know, the coins in that wallet on a daily basis and you're, you yourself are actually holding one of the keys. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of all this DeFi stuff because it's basically really high interest you can earn, but it's all because it's basically loaning your own crypto to enable others to margin trade. Yeah. And right. That's not what I'm about. That's, I don't think that's what Mike's about either. Like it's more like I want to borrow fiat against Bitcoin because one over time appreciates and the other depreciates. Right. I don't mm-hmm. want to borrow Bitcoin and have to pay back Bitcoin. Like, no freaking way. That's a, that's like, that's worse than borrowing gold and having to pay back gold. I want to say, here's my, you know, my chunk of my Bitcoin as collateral and it's locked up, you know, so maybe, I guess maybe that's a multi-sig where we both need the, the keys to release it back to me. I guess that's how that works. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is how our lending desk works. So if you want the collateral, when you when you pay off your loan upon the return of your collateral, typically what happens is we at Unchained sign, and then you would also sign. And then uh, your- if your key somehow got compromised, that's Citadel's out there as that third party holding a backup key. Okay. Um, but but that but the norm right is that you know we sign and you sign and we send that. So I'm 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 not I'm not lending my Bitcoin in that example. I'm collateralizing my Bitcoin against the loan. And right, like correct. Said, that, that I think is going to be a major long-term retirement program for people, especially people that sock away, you know, over time, two, three, four million dollars worth of Bitcoin. And, you know, you're going, if you're, if you're going into uh, retirement at 65 with that five to seven years from now, um, I've done some really conservative calculations and, uh, unless, you know, computers explode and disappear from the planet or you live to be some ridiculous like biblical age you'll you'll die and you'll still have all your bitcoin yeah right exactly cool um so we already talked about rollovers and i think that's probably your primary way that people are coming in right because they have that captive capital absolutely yeah and they need to get moved in i think that's awesome um i think we hit on fees on the, the the on both of them but just to reiterate that, like, it's a flat annualized fee. It's like 250 bucks to manage the account. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not even really for managing, right? Because we're not, we're not like giving you investment advice or anything. It's more so just, uh, for us to handle all the tax reporting and monitoring and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So let's go through some stuff that people are asking in the sure. chat right now. One really is more generic, and I guess it'd still be interesting to hear your take on this because I get this one all the time. Uh, and it, it also shows maybe someone that's very new because you're putting two things together that don't go together. Unless you're talking about hardware wallets, best place to buy crypto and crypto wallets. Well, if they're working with you, we've already established it, this is not for me to bring you my Bitcoin. This is for me to in some way make a deposit in fiat to the account. And then I, I'm buying through your service in that case. Well, if you're doing an IRA, yes. Uh, if you're yeah. doing just a regular personal vault, you can just transfer in your existing Bitcoin. That's okay. what most of our that's what most of our our customer our clients, excuse me, do. 
So, I mean, this gentleman asked what the best uh, Bitcoin wallet is. The best Bitcoin wallet is an unchained multi-signature vault, of course. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, and best place to buy Bitcoin. Well, it, with our IRA product, that's all integrated. So any dollars you uh, roll over to unchained as part of an IRA, regardless of where you live, uh, we will convert those dollars to Bitcoin for you. If you are not, uh, if, if you're talking about non IRA dollars, if you want to buy Bitcoin, um, we also have a trading desk that you can wire us non IRA dollars, uh, and we'll convert them to Bitcoin and deposit them in your non IRA unchained vault for you. That currently, unlike the IRA, which is already in all 50 states and territories and all that, that, you know, non IRA by Bitcoin is, it's in about 12 or 13 states right now, but we expect that by the end of the year that that should be available in all 50 states. And I'll throw in a couple other things. Number one, I, I think people maybe put too much into this. If you're going to buy the Bitcoin and then do what you're supposed to do, and whether it's in one of your multi-sigs, whether it's a small amount of money you're holding in a software wallet like Exodus or on a Trezor or a Ledger or something like that, other than fees, and unless it's like Joe Spooty spun up today by Bitcoin website, right? It, I don't think it's that critical where you buy your Bitcoin from other than you can pay too much in fees. Um, right. I, I always recommend Coinbase as an option, even though the fees are that high because it's so damn easy. And it's, I found it to be a good, good on ramp that people kind of get their training wheels, buy a little bit of Bitcoin, learn to move it to a software wallet. I've loved what Strike's doing. Um, and they have an option now called Pay Me in Bitcoin, where basically mm-hmm. you go to your employer and you fill out a direct deposit form and you could split your direct deposit. So let's say you're using, you know, Joe Blow's National Bank for all your yep. fiat paying your bills and stuff. And you can say, I want 90 percent of my paycheck to go there and 10 percent to go to my strike. And it's going to kind of like you, but for a totally different reason, it's going to go in in dollars. Yeah. Uh, but you can have it go straight to Bitcoin either. Right. You can yep. even do I want five percent of my my strike deposit or half my strike deposit in dollars and half in Bitcoin. And it's all automated and you can move it out the day it shows up. It's like within minutes. So even if you're using, um, you know, one of your multi sigs, if you're buying through strike on a regular DCA through your paycheck, as soon as that comes in, you can pop that into your multi sig. Right. I mean, there's nothing that. There's nothing that prohibits me or slows me down from making deposits into that once I set it up with you, is there? Exactly. And one other thing I should I should mention, because you brought it up regarding hardware wallets, when I've been saying this whole time, maintaining your private keys, uh, yeah, you would be doing that on a hardware wallet uh, for security. Our platform in that regard supports cold card, Trezor, and Ledger. Okay. So the, the big three, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, next one says... And this is another one of those things where, like, if you're thinking about it, the question is pretty obvious. Does the IRS see what you have in a retirement account? Well, you guys are reporting that. And the entire purpose of a retirement account is you actually are declaring to the government, I have this money in retirement accounts. And under your rules, I don't have to pay tax on it now. Right. I mean, that's the idea. Interestingly, the actual holdings are not reported, like whether it's Bitcoin stocks or bonds or anything like that. What gets reported annually is the December 31st year-end value in dollar terms. So if you have three Bitcoin there and Bitcoin are worth 50 grand each on December 31st, what gets reported to the IRS is $150,000. If you use your keys and move your coins out of the vault, what gets reported is the U.S. dollar value of the Bitcoin that was of the distribution, right? Yeah, on the day that you moved it, as opposed to, you know, 
one Bitcoin being moved. But yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. Like, they're not, you're not going to like even in my my conventional IRAs. If I'm holding like uh, like two or three ETFs and two or three mutual funds and four or five stocks, all they're really reporting in that annualized reporting is the monetary value of it. Correct. Yeah. So they don't know I have Bitcoin. They don't know what my private keys are. I guess they could subpoena that information from you. Yeah, but or you could a- be audited, right? I mean, just even yeah. in the course of a tax audit, they could ask. But yeah, yeah. right. And then, then I like have that. to provide it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So next one, we kind of hit on this pretty good, I think, already. But maybe we could just re- re-elaborate a little bit more. Uh, K-Bonk uh, says, elaborate on what what a multi-sig wallet is and why it's best. Yeah, I mean, a multi-sig wallet just means that uh, instead of, you know, you, like with your classic single-sig wallet, you just need one signature. In a multi-sig wallet, you need a, you know, a, pre- a certain predefined number of signatures out of the total. So in an unchained uh, vault, that's two two signatures out of a grand total of three. Um, but, the, I mean, that's not like a that's the most common way to do multi-sig and it's the way that we do it. We think it's the most effective, secure and easy to deal with. But I mean, you could have a three of five, you could have an 80 of a hundred. You could have a two of five if you wanted to, you know what you could, you can theoretically with the, with software set it up however you want. And I think that like, again, the big advantage is you can squirrel away key A and you can squirrel away key B and like you said, if either gets compromised, because, you know, if somebody breaks in your house and they happen to grab your your firebox and they run out the door with it and they bust it open later. And, and if they have any idea what's going on, when you look at backup phrases and private keys at this point, you're like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. Right. right. And then like even if they don't, they're going to go to their, their their fellow thug buddy and go, what's this? He's going to be like, man, that's Bitcoin. And all of a sudden. Your Bitcoin goes away. And I've had users tell me they've had their keys compromised and sat and watched in like a Jack's wallet or something and just see multiple sweeps and watch yeah. all their crypto just go away. And with a multi-sig, you got to have two. It's like um, like the old movies with the nuclear launch, right? You right. and I both have a key, but we can't reach. So one guy can't decide to start World War Three, but we have to both three, two, one. And now we can launch the missiles. Right. And to me, there's a lot of security in that. Um, next question is, can you borrow against your Bitcoin if it's in your IRA account? We don't allow that uh, because the IRS says that if you do that, it creates something called unrelated business income tax or UBIT. Mm. Um, and the whole point of an IRA is to, like, not pay taxes. So uh, we just it's not something we offer due to the negative tax consequences. Yeah, and if you do it foolishly, let's say you 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 over leverage your holdings, you could get called out. Now you have to sell. Now you have a distribution. Yeah, right. Now you have a tax consequence on top of the other tax consequence. So if and you the other call- the other question is right. You could have to sell because like if you become under collateralized in your loan, if it's an IRA, like you can't. There's no way for you to add funds to that because you you know you know what I mean. You can't just randomly add a hundred thousand dollars to an IRA that's over the annual contribution limit, unless you happen to have another IRA out there with money in it that you could roll in. Yeah. So it would be, it would be very difficult. Uh, and that's why we don't support it. And so that's as well where, as adverse tax wise. Yeah. So that's where this whole idea of some money goes in tax account, tax deferred accounts, some goes in tax exempt accounts, some stays out in the, in the wild so that we have multiple options. But 
when we hit retirement age, we can start doing distributions to ourselves and liberate that money to be collateralized against. Um, There's like two questions in a row here, and I think they kind of go together. K-Bonk is asking about just the lending product in general, and then Ron's making uh, – I'm I'm sorry, that's not the, the one I was looking for. There was one about what, oh, this is here. What percentage roughly do they lend against Bitcoin? Like 60% loan to value rate. I wouldn't go that high. I mean, like. Yeah, this is not my area of the business. So please forgive me, uh, if I make a misstatement, although I do not believe that I am. Uh, I believe our current loan to value rate is 40%. Okay. Yeah. And I, to me, that's even a bit high. Like, you know, I'm. I'm more of like the 10, 20% guy, you know, maybe even start out at the beginning of your initial retirement. Uh, if you have a, a su- significant stack there, you might be borrowing two to 3%, um, just so that we're not destroying the stack in that, in that retirement scheme. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I would never go that high. I guess some people are like, I want to buy a house and I'd rather do this than, and I, I can understand that because, so let's say I have a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. I want to buy a house. Well, I can either, and I, I need a hundred thousand, uh, toward the purchase of the house. If I sell that hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you know, I, I could have a $90,000 gain on that Bitcoin. If I'm a long-term holder, I might have to sell $150,000 worth of Bitcoin to net the hundred grand. But if I borrow against it, it's the same thing, you know, rationale of retirement on it. So I, I get it, but I'd be really, really careful, guys, with how much leverage you apply to any asset. I mean, you can get over leveraged and you can get wiped out. And that's a, and then you're paying the tax anyway. So now you have the debt plus you had to cover. Now you're paying the tax on the money that you had to use to cover. So it's, it's, it's something you got to be careful on. Um, is there any possibility of lending your Bitcoin out with your, your product? That's what we, we that now. is not a, uh, a service that we offer now. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was just based on what we've been talking about. Um, are interest bearing accounts or investment programs with Unchained coming in the future? That's kind of the same question, isn't same it? Same question. Yeah. I don't, I have no knowledge of, of any upcoming such thing. Uh, there's an interesting one. Do you allow opening of an account for grandchildren? And that'll be our last one unless we have. Yeah. So it depends on how old they are. Uh, currently our internal policy is you have to be 18. Um, but if they are under 18, what you can do is you can set up a trust for your grandchildren. That's the better way to do it anyway. I mean, you don't putting something in like a five-year-old's name directly is not usually the best move, right? No. So if you set up a trust for your grandchildren, we can absolutely open an unchained account uh, titled to that trust. Uh, okay. And then the coin will be there waiting for them, you know, at whatever age you specify in the trust document uh, for them to be able to access them. Yeah, I would always go with when you're handing down wealth through a trust and that gives you control, including the ability to change the way that's mm-hmm. happening up until the point where you kick off and cross the other side, whatever's there. We'll do this one for one more. I, I actually like this question. Um, who do you follow in the crypto industry? Who do you think is like a forward thinking, uh, personality in, in crypto? Other than, of so, course, uh, Jeff Andrews. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what I always say is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't follow crypto. I only follow Bitcoin, right? Okay. No offense, to, no offense to anybody else out there. So nothing wrong with being a maximalist. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Saifedean. Uh, if, I mean, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the Bitcoin Standard, which was his first book. 
which was fantastic. He has a new book out as well. Um, Parker Lewis, who's right here at Unchained, has written some really great stuff, Gradually Then Suddenly. He works for you? Uh, yes, he works for us. Wow. He is our head of business development. I would love to have him on. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I will, uh, I will ping the right people at the company to see if we can make that happen. That would be uh, awesome. That, yeah. But yeah, so those would be, those would be my two answers for you. You know, I would add to that, and I, I, I love both of those guys. I would add Michael Saylor and, uh, and Pomp. Okay. And, cool. and, uh, Peter, not really so much him as the person, but as a podcaster and the people he interviews, uh, Peter McCormack. Mm-hmm. With what Bitcoin did and Robert Breedlove, who has a lot of lovers and haters because he dared shitcoin one time. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I'm not a maximalist. I used to call myself a, uh, a maximalist light. I found a new term that's a little bit more descriptive. I am a shitcoin minimalist. Um, <laughs> very few other things. I, I do like the idea of having like complete and total privacy. Uh, so a, a coin like Monero or R, I think I see, especially for individuals, uh, to have some privacy in 100% privacy. I look at Bitcoin as like the most secure asset you can hold, but not very private. It's like having a house that's got 12 inch, you know, bomb proof walls, but mm-hmm. people can see inside. Um, but it's incredibly secure. Like you can hit it with a bomb and it just goes, okay, sorry, I'm still here. There's nothing you can do about it. Whereas some of these other uh, technologies allow you to take that wealth and obfuscate it to the point of invisibility. And I think that, Hopefully we won't ever really, really, really need that. But when I look on crap that's going on in Canada right now and like little old ladies having their bank account seized because they dared make a contribution, man, I, I think we might need that someday. So that's, that's what keeps me in the game with some of the other stuff and some of the cool stuff that's being done with, uh, NFTs I find really interesting, not selling pictures of monkeys or something like that. But like there's a product we've talked about recently built on Algorand that's like, enabling things like a company called Liquid Vineyards that's letting you or I, if we're like wine connoisseurs, basically buy the license rights to specific vines and specific vineyards for a specific number of years. Like I find technology like that intriguing, but it comes to, you know, what is money? Bitcoin, baby. It's Bitcoin. (laughs) There can only be one. It's like Highlander, right? Absolutely. Jeff, this has been a great interview. Um, I would like you to tell people now where they can learn more about all of the great things that we've been talking about today and how they can do business with Unchained. Yeah, sure. So if uh, if you're interested in an Unchained IRA or any other sort of Unchained product or hopefully multiple Unchained products, uh, if you go to Unchained.com, from right there, you can schedule a consultation with someone on our client solutions team. There are client-facing people. Uh, they'll help you and walk you through that whole process, determine what products are best for you, and get you onboarded into them. So, yeah, Unchained.com, you can schedule, like I said, schedule a consultation right there, and one of our great client solutions team members will help you out. And I've got your website. I've got links down to the description of the vaults, the IRAs, uh, your personal Twitter, your LinkedIn, all that stuff that you sent me when – uh, you applied to be on the air. I'll make sure that's all in the show notes that go out with the audio version. Those watching the live stream now, the audio version goes out about 60 minutes uh, after we shut down the live stream. There'll be a link in the video notes below. If you click it now, you're going to get, hey, it doesn't exist. Give it about an hour, and we'll have all the, the links for everything that we discussed today. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. This was very educational. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, man. 
This has been another episode of the Bitcoin Breakout. To subscribe and learn more, please visit thebitcoinbreakout.com.